0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Today's episode is episode 77, and my guest is Trisha Burchler. Trisha is the mom of two, a pediatric and holistic certified registered nurse, and an integrative health coach based in Cincinnati, Ohio. She is an active lifestyle enthusiast, a lifelong learner, and she's constantly seeking ways to improve the balance between modern conveniences and long-term health. Okay, I love this topic because, listen, my kids are going to eat some goldfish, they're going to eat some packaged snacks, and we're going to go to McDonald's sometimes. But I also believe in feeding them nutrient-dense food when I can, and I'm a big believer in encouraging our kids to move their bodies through our own examples. So I find it really important to make sure that I'm moving my body with my kids and that they see me being active with them. And in this conversation, Trisha and I talk about what that looks like and what the balance between what's easy and what makes sense for long-term health looks like. She has a lot of great suggestions as well. She has a great suggestion about helping the morning time be a little bit easier. And if only I would take her advice. I just got to do it, man. I just got to do it. Super excited about this episode. And I really hope you enjoy it. You guys can go follow Trisha on Instagram. She gives lots of good tips and ideas over there. Her Instagram is Groundwork Health Coaching. All right. And if you do enjoy this podcast, you know what I'm going to say? Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, so that new listeners can find their way over to us. Let them know what your favorite episode is. That would be helpful. And if you like this episode specifically, take a screenshot, share it in your Social media, stories, text it to your friends, whatever it is, and let them know. We are entering one lucky winner in the month of March to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. So just send a screenshot to us, uh, DM us. Why is everyone yelling on Instagram or send us an email? Lindsay at com. if you do share the episode. All right, friends. I hope you enjoy this fun, casual, and informative conversation with Trisha. All right, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Trisha Brickler on the show. Welcome to the show, Trisha. Hi, Lindsay. I'm
1: so excited to be here.
0: I am so excited to have you on the show. We have lots of fun things to talk about today. Tell us about your connection, though, with Maggie, who is working
1: behind the scenes on the podcast now. Maggie Sexton. Oh, my gosh, so good. Maggie and I go way back to high school cross-country um, and track. Um, we kind of grew, you know, grew together and um, have such good memories from that. Um, we went to separate colleges. She ran collegiately. Um, we were still kind of in the same. Um, she was, went to college near Columbus and I went to Ohio State. Um, and our dads kind of remained connected through the years. And um, they were both big Buckeyes fans. So we would occasionally connect over football games and, um of course, following each other on social media, um, watched her kind of grow into this um, super mom with her four boys and we kind of stayed connected on there. And um, we really kind of got reconnected more recently over the past year. Um, About a year ago, actually this month, um, my dad passed away and um, Maggie was, had unfortunately like a similar kind of, I mean, her father tragically died in a car accident about a year before that. So, um, it was still kind of fresh and raw for her. And she just really guided me through what was like an unseemingly like never ending grief mess. Um, but I kind of looked to her for that and support and guidance and she's just, and we've stayed connected and she is just the, she's a wonderful, wonderful person.
0: Yeah. How did your dad pass away?
1: So crazy he um went into the hospital um with some symptoms that were appearing to be stroke related um it turned out he had a large colorectal mass and he passed away about 6 weeks after being diagnosed so it was very abrupt and kind of shocking
0: And how are you how are you coping with that now?
1: I think now um you know, I definitely it's hard at times. And coming up on a year without him is starting to feel hard. I definitely have moments. But someone kind of, you know, I don't know, there was like an analogy of grief comes in waves, and the waves kind of get less intense over time. Um, I think that's kind of accurate. And there was another kind of I'm so visual, someone kind of explained grief, um, you know, is this bubble, and you, um, at first, it's, Kind of all-encompassing to you, but as time goes on, your life kind of expands and you learn to live with it and and grow in ways that you wouldn't have expected. So it's still there; it's still painful, but it's um, now I'm finding I'm finding more positive ways to channel that energy.
0: Yeah, you know that's really special that Maggie, someone from someone you knew like from high school could reach out and be there for you. I mean, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing with social media, right? Cause like without it, would you even know what she was doing or if she had lost her dad or she wouldn't know to reach out to you? Like maybe you would see each other like randomly at the grocery store or something when you're back in your hometown yeah. and, and say, Oh yeah, I lost my, you know what I mean? Like there's just so much more actual connection through the, that social media.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't think of, of that positive aspect of social media. We're to be like, Oh, so, you know, everybody's like picture perfect life, but there are, there are such good things about it. And yeah, like I, without social media, we probably wouldn't have even, I probably wouldn't have even known about her dad. And then, um, you know, I mean, through the grapevine, I'm sure eventually, like I would have gone back to Cleveland and heard from somebody, but like, yeah, it's, it's, um, pretty powerful. Cause she, I mean, she reached out to me immediately and Mm. she kind of knew, I guess, just from kind of walking through it herself, like with young kids. Um, I think that was a component too, that like, I was struggling to give energy to my kids when I was like, how do I get out of bed in the morning and like think straight. Um, so she, you know, she just, had so much grace about her, um, and watching her do it with four boys. I was like, okay, I can do this with my two.
0: (laughs) That's the hard, that's one of the hardest things about being a parent is like when we're going through some sort of like internal grief or something stressful or sad in our own lives, it's like, your kids are very much a part of that. But like, they're in your kids are really young like they don't understand and like you're a human being like you need to feel all those feelings and do all those things and I sometimes feel like when I'm going through something hard I like can't give my kids the attention that they and I use uh, quotations
1: like <laughs> air
0: yeah like what they need and in reality like our kids just need us they're fine <laughs> they're fine but we get this like guilt like you know this grief or whatever it is is like taking up so much of my mental emotional capacity and you know it's like I wonder what grief looks like and how it looks different when you are caring for children right
1: yeah right and I had never really experienced grief to this degree pre-kids yeah so it's hard to know, like, um, it was hard to put into words, like for them to understand. And like, we, you know, got a bunch of books and talked about it with them, but it's, you know, conceptually, they can only really understand so much of it. Um, and now I'm kind of more focused on, cause fortunately I, I think, well, my youngest is five now. Um, and we didn't get to spend a lot of time with my dad during COVID. Um, he was in Cleveland and he was pretty serious about not going anywhere. And we took it, you know, serious. We saw him the summer before he got sick. So I don't know how much my youngest really like remembers my dad. My oldest is eight. He definitely has good memories. So trying to, um, make sure that we keep those alive and like build those into their, their lives so that, um, they know who he is and who he was.
0: Yeah, that's a challenge too. My mother-in-law passed away when my oldest was five. And at the time we were like, oh, Marshall, you know, he's going to remember so much. And I mean, my youngest was a baby and then my second was probably three. Right. And so we talk about her all the time. And it's interesting in today's day to like with all the pictures and videos and things that you have, like how much of that memory is like real and how much of it is like you th- they think they remember it, but they remember the pictures and us talking about it, which tells me it's important to continue talking about it then.
1: Right. Yeah. It's hard to know when they actually um, form those real memories versus pictures. We do photo albums yearly and I'm I'm always shocked at what they say they remember. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Totally. I don't think I don't think you remember that, but yeah. For yeah. sure. So when did you find running again? Like you ran in high school, but when did you come back to it or did you ever leave?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, gosh, I, I had such a love-hate relationship with running in high school. It was just... Um, hey, me too. <laughs> totally. It, really, it was so good, but so bad. Um, and I just, you know, looking back at it, I wish I would have maybe even had the thought to run collegiately because I think I like looking back, I would have really enjoyed it. But, you know, I kind of walked away from it after graduating high school and didn't really do much in college. I (laughs) gained a lot of weight, like freshman 15 for sure. And like, just, you know, the, the parties and I had a good time (laughs) in college, Um, then I think what really, um, I started running again, maybe my senior year in college, like just strictly to lose weight, (laughs) was like, okay, I need to get back in shape. I I don't feel good. I don't, not happy with my body and, you know, mentally need, needed something. And that was what I was familiar with and like what I knew how to do. So started picking it back up and I moved to Cincinnati after I graduated Ohio State to pursue my nursing degree I did kind of like a second degree nursing program here at Xavier University and um I met one of my best friends now that um we we met and sitting next to each other in nursing school and she um I thought she was crazy (laughs) (laughs) you want to run this flying pig marathon with me and I'm like uh how far is that (laughs) 26 what right <laughs> and it just seemed audacious and ridiculous like. um but I was also intrigued by it and just kind of wanted an, a challenge outside of school I wasn't working during nursing school so I did have some time to put into it and I was like okay if you'll help me train for this I'll do it um and you know we really bonded over that and That was the beginning of like a long, long falling in love again with running. Um, Flying pig. I
0: I ran that one year so long ago, kind of like in a different chapter of my my running (laughs) life, like pre-kids. Hey, friends, a quick break to share with you about a new product, a new sponsor for this podcast that I am loving, Portland Bee Balm. Beyond the amazing quality of their balm, Portland Bee Balm is committed to creating sustainable products, which is hugely important to me. They are members of 1% for the planet, which means they donate 1% of revenue to organizations tackling our planet's most pressing environmental issues. This is so cool. Products that are useful, natural, and add value to people's lives and the world. Portland Bee Balm provides the best hydration for your lips with clean and simple ingredients. Since I put balm on my lips multiple times throughout the day, it is so important to me that the products I'm using are clean and effective. Portland Bee Balm has so many different varieties of scents, but my favorite is the Organ Mint. The ingredients they source and the packaging they use all support health and well being to the environment and community. So awesome! Friends, go to portlandbebom.com and use the code sandyboy for 20% off your first order. All right, back to the show. Um, talk to us about your like your passion for well actually, tell us about being a nurse, choosing to stay home and then going back and getting your integrative holistic nutrition certification from Duke integrative medicine.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, that was, that's been a journey as, as well, like running kind of a slow roll. I went into nursing, um, kind of, I mean, like anyone that goes into healthcare just wanting to help people. And, um, of course you're watching Grey's Anatomy and like, seeing yeah. all this, like action, and, you know, the hospital is where it's at. And I, my first, job out of school was in a operating room. And that was just like, so not my (laughs) vibe. (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, I didn't last long there. It was just too, like too intense. I knew I needed something just with more connection. Um, I mean, the technical aspect was, was very interesting and um, it was rewarding in a way, but it definitely taught me um, more about myself and, and what, Uh, my strengths were. So I went um, from there to an outpatient setting. um, And I really enjoyed that it was nice to kind of see patients on a recurrent basis and get to know the families. And I kind of learned from there that I guess like what I enjoyed the most was just the patient education piece and helping people take what they're, you know, learning in their doctor's office and implementing it and at home. And like, so speaking of like a niche, like I was in pediatric dermatology, which is so, so specific. specific. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's so specific. It doesn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's so different from even adult dermatology. These kiddos have these chronic skin conditions that require so much time management, um, care at home and, um an important component was kind of helping these families figure out how they're gonna put creams and ointments and wet wraps and do all these things um on a toddler twice a day (laughs) and that kind of um you know so i i knew there that like my passion was helping people just that patient education helping people translate things into, into their life. And from there, I, um, my, I was pregnant with my second and I kind of started working part-time at that point. And I think I went PRN, which is sort of as needed and got to a point with childcare situations and um, my husband's job that I was able to kind of walk away for a little bit and take some time just being at home with the boys. Um, cause I had one in preschool and then my youngest was a baby. Um, when I finally decided to stay home. And during that time, I, like, I knew that I would be going back to something, you know, I didn't know what that would look like. I thought a lot about, <laughs> thought about school nurse. Um, mm-hmm. there's just so many, so many routes you can take in nursing can, you know, the sky's the limit really with, <laughs> um, but I found myself Googling, like, how to be a nurse coach. Like I knew I had this passion for coaching, but it wasn't really a thing yet. Um, I had learned, I took a holistic nursing course at the hospital I was working at and they had mentioned, um, you know, there's this thing called nurse coaching and it was just, it felt not like a real job. Like, so I was trying to seek out these positions and I'm like, I don't even know that this exists. So just, you know, over, I mean, you know how it is. It was home with little kids and days are long. <laughs> what do they say? The days are long, but the years are short. Yes. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> find my, yeah. All of a sudden I find myself, you know, my youngest is going to kindergarten. I'm like, holy smokes.
0: I know. It's so hard.
1: That just happens. It's great. It's, it's, it's an adjustment. Yeah. And with COVID, I mean, so I'd been researching, you know, getting back to your question about the the integrative health coaching, I found, you know, I was researching and trying to find something that wasn't, that I wasn't even sure existed. And I came across the program at Duke and I was fortunate enough to have a connection of someone who did the program through like a friend of a friend. And I talked with her and she was doing health coaching. She was previously an occupational therapist. Um, and kind of walked away from that and got into coaching. And um, she really inspired me that like, okay, like maybe I can do this. (laughs) Um, So I took the course and it was all virtual um, during, I think it started actually like the week that the world shut down.
0: Oh my gosh. And so all your kids were home.
1: (laughs) Yes, they were home and it was wild to connect with, all these people across the country that nobody knew what was going on. Right. And like, just hearing all this, you know, stories of people, um, even like there was um, one of our classmates was in Jamaica. And like, just hearing like what they're dealing with and like what we're dealing with here was, that was an interesting thing. But um, yeah, so I did the course. And after that, I just felt that this was the right move and like where I was, where I was supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, the piece I think that you mentioned on your website that I think that, I think it's so important to talk about and realize is that like healthcare providers don't have the time to do all the like preventative stuff. Right. So you go into the doctor with like a certain condition or whatever, and they like treat it. But I think a huge piece of what we're missing in our country and probably other countries too is like that preventative piece. Like we should be spending so much more time on that than we actually do. And you're just not going to get that if you go to a regular doctor. You know, they'll give you the basics and and then they'll treat what you're there for. But um, that's what I think is so cool about what you're doing is that you can be that person to help someone – Do those things, like do the preventative things that need to happen. And honestly, I've been saying this, like, you know, now that we're two years into the pandemic, I think about this all the time. I'm like the outcry so loudly needs to be that we all need to move our bodies and like try to live a healthy lifestyle, right? Like All the things that, all the things that are with, with vaccines and everything that are happening is, is amazing. And that is, that is a good thing. But I think that the lost message has been that. And at first it was kind of like with the pandemic, it was kind of like, we got to do what we got to do to, to get through this. Right. But now we're two Mm -hmm. years in and I'm like, we need to like have a movement in our country that gets people literally moving their bodies and paying attention to what they're putting in their bodies. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your passion for an active lifestyle and, and, um, what you really want to do with
1: that. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, gosh, I, I think, um, my passion for it honestly just came from feel like when I graduated college, like knowing what it feels like to feel bad, like it's not healthy. Um, I mean, I wasn't sick, thankfully I didn't have like a chronic condition, but I mean, it could have gone that way. Um, if you, you know, continue on, um,
0: years upon years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, once I realized that doing like small things every day, just a little bit every day, it builds up and builds up over time. Um, and you're, you're doing, you're doing things that you would have never thought possible. So I guess, um, I don't know, I guess my message with with movement and just, um, you know, trying to stay active and healthy is um, not to bite off more than you can chew in, in, mm-hmm. in a setting and just um, make it a priority and a little bit at a time, like a little bit goes a long way. I think um, it's easy to make really big, scary goals, but I think the harder thing is to, find a goal that's motivating, um, but small enough that it's actually realistic and able to implement in your day.
0: Yeah, that consistency. I mean, that goes back to like, I remember in high school cross country, one of our coaches always like, would just say consistency over big you know, big, long days every day of the week, right? Like staying consistent with your training matters way more than running like eight miles once a week or something like that. And yeah, same same to be true with with just any kind of goals with healthy living at this point in our lives. Now, talk to us a little bit about um, managing, feeding our kids like whole foods. And like, you know, I always tell my kids like, You know, we want to put nutritious foods in our body because that's like what we're running on. That's the, that's what we're, that's what we are living on literally is the things that we put in our body. So, um, I, you know, I have been struggling anytime I go to Costco, it seems to be the problem. (laughs) Just like so many packaged items, which I'm not a hater on packaged food. Listen, Probably every single one of my kids is going to have at least one granola bar every day or like, you know, whatever. But how do we balance like modern conveniences, as you say, with really trying to also make sure that we're getting whole foods into our kids' bodies?
1: Yeah, it's so tough, right? And um, I think the most important thing is just, you know, modeling it as a parent. Um, And a lot of... um, I mean, kids go in such phases. Once you think you've nailed it, they change, and uh, <laughs> they don't like that food anymore. Exactly. So you have to kind of, you have to continually be on your game and try new things and change and and observe what's working. And um, I was in a phase for a while where I was sneaking things into smoothies and and baked goods like as much as possible. Um, and packaged goods. I mean, you can't really get away from it. But I think the goal is. To do your best as far as like, if you have the option, if you're at home and you can grab something fresh um, and make it more appealing by slicing it up and having it like ready to go with some sort of dip. Um, kids love dips, like, <laughs> um, or anything that's kind of um, like a novelty. My one of my friends gave me this trick years ago of putting. Um, A bunch of snacks in a muffin tin, Mm -hmm. and just presenting it like a kid's charcuterie platter. Oh, that's fun! I don't know what it is about that, but it's like magic to them.
0: Yeah, it's like a, (laughs)
1: it's like exciting. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, and it's simple because, again, like real life, you don't, you can't create magical snacks every day (laughs) because that's just exhausting. But. Just trying to be, I think like just being creative um, and talking about food in a positive way, uh, you know, choosing foods that are going to fuel basketball practice and what's going to sit well in your stomach in your, you know, gymnastics class um, and just kind of teaching them, yeah, that food is fuel. Um, and it's important, but kind of letting the pressure off a little bit too.
0: Yeah. How do, you, how do we balance like food is fuel, but also like it's fun to eat? Like it's good to want to eat delicious food, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, yeah, I guess it's just a balance of, um, you know, I go through this with my kids wanting to buy lunch a lot. Um, the cafeteria lunches aren't the healthiest. I know they, you know, they've improved over the years, but we kind of just strike a deal in our house of, okay, you can buy lunch once or twice a week, and then we're going to pack the rest and they're okay with that. Um I think it's just setting boundaries of what's a hard no in your house and then what's, you know, you can work within.
0: Yeah. And I just want to mention to everybody that I don't let my kids not get school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause it's too much work for me. It's so funny. The other day my sister in law was talking about that because they have the menu, they can see what they're serving. She she lets them yeah. like choose, like on days that it's something they don't like. I'm like, you give them the option? I don't even know what they're serving at school, but I know that if it's not something they like, they always have peanut butter sandwiches that they can go to. So uh that is what I'm doing. And then in breakfast and dinner, um, I will try to yeah. make sure we're getting healthy food. But, um, that's so funny because I'm like, then I have to pack a lunch. That's extra work for me. Nope. You're eating the school lunch.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's such a good point though, because if you, if you can put your time into a healthy breakfast or dinner, there you go. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're picking your battles and that's, <laughs> You know, that's better than choosing to eat out three times a day. I'm so bad, though. Like, that's
0: this is where the packaged food thing comes back in. Like, I'm trying so hard in the mornings. My oldest son gets up so early, and it's, like, during my quiet time, which is fine. He's, like, older. He's self-sufficient. He's nine years old. But he always wants to go grab a granola bar. And I, like, for some reason have in my head that, like, he should eat something a little more, like – Whole food first thing in the morning, but like, I don't want to get off my butt and make that happen. So I'm really trying, and I don't know why I think that just a plain old peanut butter and jelly for breakfast is like really all that much better than a cliff bar,
1: you know? <laughs> I know, I hear you. It's, and I think a lot of it for people in general but and kids like is habit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like yeah, like it's our day is just one big consecutive. Habit. That's Serious a really good habit. point. Yeah, um, my kids have eaten the same cereal bars since they could chew. Like, <laughs> what is it? What is their cereal bar? They're not great. They're these like Trader Joe's hmm. fruit. Like, they're kind of like the NutriGreen bars, but they're Trader Joe's brand. Uh, yeah,
0: I know what those are. Yeah, I, they, yeah, I bought
1: those. Of course, that's not the only thing they eat for breakfast. But that's like, fair. do they eat
0: that for breakfast though?
1: Yeah, every oh, day.
0: Okay, see, look, look, guys.
1: She every might, day. she
0: might send her kids to school with. With homemade lunches three days a week. But they eat nutri bars for breakfast.
1: That's right. <laughs> Pick your battles.
0: <laughs> right. And like do what works for your family. Like I, you know, I have a friend who like everything is natural, organic, whole, whole food. Like there's nothing packaged. And she loves it. Like she thrives on it. It's great for her. Like that is what she lives and breathes. And that is what her child knows. Um, And that's great for her. That's great for yeah. her, but it's not going to work for everybody. So I do think that like, like you said, like figuring out what your habits are and if they're not exactly, if they're not what you want them to be, find ways to make small changes.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: I'm not going to ever be her. Every time I think I'm about to make like a homemade granola bar and then I look up all <laughs> the things I have to do to make that happen. It's like stop st- stressing yourself out. Like he can eat the Cliff bar for breakfast.
1: Yes. Of course we want to we want to have the best nutrition we can and I would love to to have my kids eat all fresh all whole foods all day long, but the reality is they're not going to. Um I I've prepped all the things in the world to kind of provide them a more like what I would quantify as a more like wholesome breakfast, they'll have no part of that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't want egg baked cups. They don't want um protein muffins. They don't they they just they want their bar.
0: Yep. The and chair- then I if I do that, <laughs> then I end up overeating all those things. Because I'm like, <laughs> somebody needs to eat this. And then like um Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecki have the um, you know, their run fast, eat slow, uh, cookbooks and the superhero muffins are so good they're nutrient dense they're like packed with all kinds of good stuff and they taste good but my kids don't won't eat them for the most part like one of my kids will but the rest won't and so I make 12 and I'm like I end up eating all of them and I want to eat some of them but I don't want to eat all of them
1: yes I hear you and I love those muffins I'm the superhero muffin lady for life too
0: yeah they're so good and I'm like I don't know why I mean. I don't know what it is. My kids are like, I don't know. The second you start adding like weird texture or anything, they're like, I'm out. I'm done.
1: Yeah. And they're little, I mean, they're little detectives. They can see little (laughs) strings of carrots in there. They know it's not, you're not pulling, you know, a fast one on them anymore.
0: (laughs) Totally. You know, the nice thing is for anybody listening, who has like toddlers who are super picky. And I know some kids are going to always be picky. And even into adulthood, like I know people that you're super picky adults, but Um, in my experience, my oldest has really like decided to try more things now. And he'll usually at least try it without a fight. Um, and that's been really like, okay, I didn't need to freak out so much when he was younger and he wouldn't eat anything. Like I, toddlers are just picky and that's just, it is. And I know some people that say like, oh, we don't make two dinners or whatever. And we don't necessarily make two dinners, but like, I just always have a peanut butter sandwich as an option for people because there's just certain things. Like we had veggie lasagna last night. My little two are not – they're just not going to eat veggie lasagna. It's just not going to happen. And I'm just like not going to try to fight
1: it, right? Yeah. I think it's just – it becomes more of a stressor. And I think um, kind of leaves a negative – you want dinner time to be enjoyable. Yes. Um, I think I always try to keep that in mind when I start to get stressed about – uh, what they're eating for dinner or what they're not eating for dinner, I guess. And just trying to keep that perspective of, I want this to be family. Sit, you know, we sit down every day for dinner together, make that a priority and make it about that and less about the food. Um, and like you said, your oldest, like it, it'll come, it'll, he's not gonna eat three things for his whole life. <laughs>
0: Hey, friends, are you looking for a way to get active with your family this spring? The Black Knight Donna Mother's Day 5K Your Way is happening May 7th. And if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, there is an actual in-person race at 8 a.m. I, however, am going to be participating in the virtual option here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you can do that, too. One of the things i am most passionate about as a mother is getting active with my kids and this is a really fun way you can include your kids in something active that you love mother's day weekend like you could do the run and they can ride their bikes next to you or you could push them in the stroller whatever it looks like and it's just a great way to start the weekend so This race and all of the races with the Donna Foundation, the Donna Marathon Weekend that we just had in February, they all benefit the Donna Foundation, which supports women and men living with breast cancer helps them. They have a care line and they also provide groundbreaking research. They partner with the Mayo Clinic and this is just an organization, a foundation that I have believed in for a very long time. So join me, we're gonna do it virtually here in Raleigh. I'm gonna get a group of people and you can get a group of people where you're from too and do your own Mother's Day weekend. Go to breastcancermarathon.com to get signed up. Use the code Lindsay10 And just choose the virtual option. That will get you 10% off and your race registration benefits the Donna Foundation. So it's amazing. Uh, Post it in our Facebook group. Why is everyone yelling? Or let us know on social media if you do sign up and we can all kind of cheer each other on for that weekend. All right, friends. Back to my conversation with Trisha. What what are your big goals and dreams with your business it's is it grounded new what is it called
1: groundwork health coaching
0: groundwork health coaching okay so what are your big dreams with groundwork health coaching
1: man i i have i have a little like kind of scattered on it i have so many ideas and um dreams for what this could turn into i um have a passion for running and working with runners and i know a lot of people go into running to lose weight primarily. It's, like, easy, accessible exercise. Um, So I'm definitely interested in working with my runners. Um, But then I'm also, with my healthcare background, saw a need with just healthcare providers and what they, their self-care practices and taking care of themselves and the culture that is in healthcare facilities usually not the best for taking care of yourself. Um, I mean, doctors and nurses are notoriously bad patients. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe like creating a space for them. And I would like to do get some group coaching going to kind of make it more accessible and also create more community in it. Um, you know, finding a common ground and it's easy to build momentum, hearing what other people are doing and get inspired by other people's stories. So maybe some group coaching coming and, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that when you have a group of people with a common goal and then they can like communicate with one another and, and, and bounce ideas off of each other. And that is so interesting. I mean, especially in, um, you know, pandemic times, like people that are healthcare providers are just very overworked and exhausted and, um, it's really challenging to be like, well, you know, go run 30 minutes or whatever, when they're just like zonked from work. So I think, I do think figuring out a way to, to put yourself in a position where you're treating your body well, um, is really important, but gosh, I'm not a healthcare provider. So I can't imagine being in the position where you give so much to other people that you then lose that, like, you know, focus for yourself. That's so important
1: yeah, I think it's just, it's mental and physical burnout. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to, to find the time when you are burnt out. Um, but it's so important. I think I'm hoping that I would like to get linked up with a healthcare facility that wants to just invest in their, their nurses and that's
0: that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of help create, um, (laughs) I did this when I was, um, doing my health um, my holistic certification when I was still working in the hospital, um, uh, one of our projects was we could do like any project we wanted. And I uh, ended up creating like a little wellness program for my, the division that I was working in outpatient and it started out kind of like as a joke, like these, my friends and coworkers that were also nurses were like, Oh man, what is she going to make us do today? Uh-huh. <laughs> and we'd have like mindfulness um, little, just little lessons in mindfulness, massage, um, just like really simple stuff and it grew and they you know by the end they were asking what are we going to do this week <laughs> so i think it's like a, it's hard to hard to sell it at first but it's it's important and i think once people take that first action and and realize that they'll feel they'll feel better after it's like that with really anything like act act first and then the the good feelings will come Sometimes we wait to feel good to do something.
0: Yes, you can't do that. It doesn't work. It's just not the way it works. Doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. I know I get so paralyzed, though. I think we all do. And I, I think it's important to hear other people who, you know, like someone who's not a runner might hear me or you say that and be like, what do you mean? You run all the time. But it's like. No, Mm -hmm. there are other things that like I want to do, but I don't take action. Therefore, I'm paralyzed and I'm not going to like accomplish it or feel good about it until I actually take that first step. And I think we just need to like dedicate what 10 minutes to whatever that goal is and then go from there. But you got to take that first little step.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's paralyzing sometimes. And that's sort of where... I guess the health coaching can help is really helps people understand why they want to do something and like creating a vision can help you move in that first step because if you don't have a reason and you haven't kind of sat and thought about that, um, you know, why would, you know, why, <laughs> why are you going to do that?
0: Yeah. I love that. have going back to your why it's like I think there's two point two things go back to your why and make sure that's like front and center when you need the motivation but also like what's your why and then what's your goal like I I was um thinking about as you were talking Sarah Hall who just broke the American record in the half marathon like had on her mirror like American record holder like that she saw that every day and it's like yeah the end all be all goal isn't all it is but like if you have that paired with what your meaning is it's much easier to to take take the action so maybe we all need to just go sit down and figure out what the what the what the reason is and what what the meaning behind it is
1: yeah I saw that and that was um it was such a good example of because I mean, visual cues are so huge and making it front and center um putting something on your mirror is powerful you see it, see it every morning and it, it sticks with you.
0: It makes me think about with my kids, like I'm trying to get them to read more and things like that. And it's like, oh, we need to also provide visual cues for that as well. Instead of just saying, hey, you need to read more or whatever. Like there needs <laughs> to be like a like you, like you a visual cue so that it's not, you know, they're not going to just do it until it becomes that daily habit.
1: Yeah. And I think they tune us out. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> can hear me. Like, I.
0: Seven uh, times. <laughs> they do it's so frustrating i like i can tell my kids like 10 times go to be- go upstairs and brush your teeth go upstairs and brush your teeth and i just try to stay in this like calm normal tone and then i look at my husband and i'm like nobody's listening to me like nobody listens and then he kind of like says it in a yelling mean meaner voice and everybody goes and i'm like i want to do it in a way that i don't have to do that But that is what is working and it's frustrating. You know, it's like, I'm trying to do this nicely and nobody listens.
1: Oh, my gosh. So true. It's so true. I know. uh, I ended up making a a morning checklist for my kids because I was just getting so it was affecting my mood in the morning. I was realizing that my repeating Mm -hmm. the things over and over again was putting me in like a really negative place. So I made these checklists and, you know, we sat down and explained to them, these are going to, this is what needs to happen in the morning. And, um, now they're responsible for the checklist and it doesn't go perfectly every morning, but it's tremendously changed just the vibe in our house. (laughs) Like they know what they need to do. And I'm trying hard to not, um, vocalize as much and just kind of redirect them to that list. They, They know what's on it and it's a visual tangible thing that, um, they can check off when it's done. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's brought a little more calm, (laughs) but where do you keep it? So (laughs) I had moved, I kept moving it around because I I had it on my counter and then I had it on this little bench where they keep their book bags and shoes. And now I have it on command hooks on the wall, right by the front door. (laughs) Okay. Um, they get their lists and I taped a little, um, Do I erase marker to it? Okay. And they do their list. I mean, that's probably the best thing I've done in my house in a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been hearing people talk about doing stuff like this, and I don't know why I never do it. Like, my oldest would totally thrive on that system. He's He is a, like, if I know what I need to do, you know, like, and he's kind of like a has to do things the right way kind of kid. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to follow the rules if he knows the rules and knows the expectation, but the oldest child. Yeah. Yeah. But instead I'm just like, "Ah!" Every, (laughs) every single morning. I think part of it is like, where do I put it? Why do I feel like it has to be perfect? Where do I put the chart? Where do I put the checklist? It's like, doesn't matter where you put it. Just put it somewhere and make it happen.
1: Exactly. I know. I think it's hard not to have like the Pinterest mindset of everything needs to look a certain way. Like with that, I kind of just got over it and put the command hooks on the wall. And I'm like, okay, this is, this works.
0: Yeah, I do. I need to figure out a place like that though. Cause that, that does make sense. So is it an actual dry
1: erase board? It's, um, no, it's just like an old school clipboard with, um, paper in, you know, those, um, like report sleeves, um, those plastic, like, mm-hmm. are <laughs> <is> it called?
0: <laughs> oh, and then you write it on top of the, the dry erases for on top of the sheet.
1: Yeah. On yeah, top of the sheet. And off. they can erase it and reuse it.
0: All right, everybody go make that happen today. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Trisha. Well, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Oh man. Um, I thought about this. So, this isn't not very revolutionary, but I definitely want to travel more. Um, my I am notorious homebody. Me too. Such home inertia. When I'm home, I'm home. It's hard to get out. COVID was kind of nice for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I do want to just travel more. I haven't really, um, haven't even gotten outside of the country other than well, I've gone to Canada, but. <laughs> I don't know. like no, you know, I've been overseas and, um, a lot of places I want to explore. And I think now our kids are getting a little bit older. Um, we just have the concerns with changing time zones and the sleep situation. Some people are so brave about that and our kids have just never been good sleepers. So I'm, I, I don't know about that. I gotta wait a little bit, but that's on my on my list.
0: Yeah. Traveling with kids is really hard. I can't, I can't say anything about the time zone thing because I've never actually done that. But um, I do feel like as the kids get older, traveling, not my, my youngest is still pretty little. But like I just think that it's it's gotten so much easier. It's just so much easier when you don't have a diaper bag. You don't have all those things. that Babies come with so many things. And when the kids are a little bit bigger, you can just like – everybody gets a bag like with some clothes. And it just doesn't have to be – a big, as much of a big to do now, international travel. That's a whole nother ball game, but, um, yeah, it's been fun to travel a little bit more and and be a little more adventurous as they've gotten bigger. And I was never one of those people that was like, I'm going to travel with my baby. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I don't need that. If I'm, if I'm spending thousands of dollars to go on a trip somewhere, I don't need to be like sleep deprived (laughs) and like a complete disaster because of, of the little, little kids.
1: Exactly. I know. I admire people that do that with their, their young ones, but I just, yeah, couldn't do it. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, so I actually have it right here. It's Brad Stolberg and you mentioned Steve Magnus. So like I'm a big fan of those guys. This it's the practice of groundedness Mm -hmm. and it's taking me forever to get through it because I keep like going back and rereading and I, it's one of the book I, um, bought like in hard copy because I -hmm. knew that I was just going to be wanting to highlight and, and think about things in there. And it's, it's so good.
0: Yeah. I know. I'm always disappointed in myself when I buy a book on Kindle and then um, I'm like, how am I going to go back and reread? You know what I mean? Like you can, you can like thumbnail things, but it's not the same as having the hard copy. If it's a book like that, that you like want to go back and like refer to.
1: Yeah. It's so hard on the Kindle. So yeah, certain books are great on there. Some of them you just need to like write in.
0: Yeah. I kind of like for most Kindle books, I kind of try to do my fun reads that way. And that's kind of like treadmill or laying in bed and, you know, easy. And then the learning books, I try to do hard copies. I have a really serious book problem. It's not great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a lot of books that you, um, just like a stack that you need to get through and you always have one up on deck or. Are you oh yeah, totally. Multiple books at a time. Yeah. I think
0: I'm reading four books right now. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm reading um, the book of joy, which is the Dalai Lama and um, Desmond Tutu. It's, it's like, it's their conversation. I forget who the author is. Um, I'm reading how to raise an adult. That's kind of work related because I'm interviewing her for the podcast reading Here on a Mission, which is a Donald Miller book. I just finished The Paper Palace. I just like, and then I, what I do is I carry all these books around with me all day long, like literally from room to room in my house. And, (laughs) and like, if I go anywhere, I, I have like four books with me and I'm like, well, I don't know what mood I'm going to be in. And I want to be able to like get a couple pages in, you know, Saving Ruby King. I'm reading that book. It's like, it's it's a serious problem.
1: <laughs> that visual of carrying books from room to room cracks me up.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and I have my laptop too. I'm always just like I just have this big armful of books, and I could if I probably focused on one book, I'd probably I could probably do this more efficiently instead of reading them all at once. But like I'm in different moods for different things
1: at different times. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah, I get that because. <laughs> Sometimes you want something a little lighter. You don't have to focus so much.
0: Yeah. Like I don't want to read about religion or, you know, like like the practice of groundedness or things like that when I'm like going to bed at night. I want to like zone out and get lost in someone else's story. That's what the paper palace is for. Um, What is a trip? Have you taken a trip with your kids or an activity or done something that you recommend? Oh,
1: my gosh. Um, Yeah. So I guess. Our favorite, our current favorite place to go um, is Sleepy Dunes in Michigan. We love it there. It's, we've been three years in a row. We're, we're kind of creatures of habit. And once we find something that we love, we just keep going back. But I, it's just, it's the best variety of outdoor activities for little ones that are just manageable. Um, what's, it, great- what's it called again? sleeping bear dunes.
0: Okay. Sleeping bear dunes.
1: Yeah. It's a national park and it's these huge sand dunes. So, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of silly, but like the kids, they go and they just run up the sand dunes. And I mean, these are huge sand dunes. They're impressive. Um, so it's kind of fun because it's a workout and (laughs) I'll get a workout sprinting Uh after them on these sand dunes and there's trails and you can hike, um, but it's on um, right on Lake Michigan, which is beautiful. Um, we really, really like going to the beach there. And um, they have great bike trails. So I feel like it's it's a great place for all of the things that we like to do. We'll, we'll bring our bikes there. We'll swim in the lake. I like to run on the bike path. Yeah, it's, it's awesome.
0: And what is your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Um... So this is this is kind of like running geared, but it kind of it it can translate into all um, every everyday life. But um, my one of my favorite mantras is "Run the mile you're in," and I have it on a one of my necklaces. I got it engraved. Um, it just became like a running mantra: "Run the mile you're in" to like stay present and not get so overwhelmed with um, like the marathon, for example. But I think it's such—it's so good just to stay focused and mindful, in um, you know, every day. And the other thing would be to just be nice. Yes, <laughs> be nice and run the mile you're in. I love that. Thank you so much, Trisha. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to talk with you, and it's been this has been so fun.
0: Alright, everybody, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Why is Everyone Yelling, part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. You can learn more about Trisha when you go to groundworkhealth.net. And you can also find Trisha on social media. She is Groundwork Health Coaching on Instagram. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? Uh, sync up with us there. We'd love to connect. And you can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hines 626. Learn more about all the shows on the Sandy Boy Network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?